Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Viva, Viva Las Vegas. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Holy Hardwood Podcast with Pat and Tony. So, Tony, Vegas, what are we thinking? Welcome, Pat. Um, you know, Vegas, such a glorious place. Really excited for this team to get the opportunity to show once again another game in Vegas, uh, what this team can be. Ultimately, um, as we see this team grow together with everybody being healthy, um, but can't say enough of how they fought in a tough environment against the Sacramento Kings. So, you know, really excited for this opportunity that the team can get. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, one, just the opportunity that they get to have as a team to go ahead and go down to Sin City, right, and uh, spend some time and, and grow as a even stronger group, grow that com- camaraderie and, and build that chemistry as everybody's kind of rounding back into form and being healthy. I think that's a great opportunity. I think the big question is, is, you know, do you think they're staying at Caesars Palace or are we thinking they're, they're maybe somewhere else? Well, Pat, I, I think they're probably staying somewhere else, but I think if they wanted the best time that they could have, uh, you know, that's probably where they would go. Maybe, hopefully, potentially, if they can get to Saturday night and uh, pull off a victory there, then then they'll be in Caesar's Palace. Yeah, I mean, that's always uh, when I think of Vegas. That's the that's the main thing I always think about, right? A place like Caesar's Palace. It was like, you know, did did Caesar actually live there, um, or is that just you know a fairy tale? So, hopefully. Um, the Pels are, are there staying and, and can hopefully answer that question for us and, and maybe give us a little bit of feedback. But most importantly, I think they're there to uh, win two more games. And, and like you said, and, and even, um, you know, what Zion and Brandon said today in their interviews were, um, you know, they certainly were excited for the opportunity. And if, if they happen to win the thing, that, that they're going to celebrate accordingly. So um, big opportunity, big chance. But I think a lot needs to be said for, for just putting themselves in a situation um to have a chance at it you know all things considered and i think that in itself is a big accomplishment yeah no doubt about it pat i mean <clears throat> you speak on kind of what brandon and zion said in their uh interviews earlier today and yeah you know there's a lot of jokes and everything but you can really see that bond forming between those two guys and Yes, you know, like Brandon said, they're a team that likes to have fun, goof around on and off the floor. You know, I think that really pays dividends in the long run um, to have such a close team. And I think this is a great opportunity to go through these battles and go through these wars um, together on this uh, court in this uh, stage. And, you know, at this point, they're kind of playing with house money. And, you know, most people probably didn't pick the Pelicans to even beat Sacramento but now that they're in this moment I think they kind of have the chip on their shoulder it was a slight comment by you know Zion and BI basically not being on TV and them saying that their teammates uh, like that challenge and love when the you know bright lights are on so you know again very excited for the opportunity that they have and uh, you know really liking that bond that's forming between those two guys.
Yeah, I think uh, I agree with a lot of what you're saying there. And I think the big thing is, you know, this team sounds like they just wanted to have uh, have a chance, right? They wanted to get themselves here, give themselves an opportunity, and ultimately, you know, no pun intended, but, you know, bet on themselves, right? Um, they feel like if they're healthy and, and playing the right way and are given the opportunity, they I'm sure they feel they can they can beat any team in the league or especially any team that's there present in Vegas, right? Um, certainly no slight to those teams. It's certainly a strong field, a lot of different teams and um, different groups of players there for this uh, Central Final Four, right? But um, I, I like the team's chances. But um, before we go ahead and dive into, you know, that matchup with the Lakers tomorrow night, obviously one everybody's going to be very excited about. It's going to be a fun game. Um, why, don't, why don't you take us back and um, maybe give us a little bit of your feedback and walk us through what you saw um, in that big win against the Kings. No doubt, Pat. Um, <clears throat> like we kind of discussed on the pods uh, previous and just talking one-on-one, you know, off script, uh, we knew it was going to be a tough environment. Uh, we knew we probably were going to get punched in the mouth a little bit, and that's what the Sacramento Kings did. They fed off of that energy and even going off of the first um, in-season tournament game where you saw Indiana's crowd and their bench going crazy. And, you know, this was no normal game by any means uh, for these teams involved the other night. And, you know, it wasn't the best of starts for us. And maybe we were a little more too juiced up at the, at the beginning, but you really saw that when the bench came in, the, the script flipped a little bit and, that energy from Jose and uh, Trey getting it going a little bit, and Najee as well. Um, you know, once they came in there, they kind of flipped it over, and we made a run at the end of the first, and we kind of never looked back from there. And you know, you love what you see from Bi when when the the stage is high and everything like that. And I think everybody that came in contributed what they did, and ultimately it was a great team win, and you know, showed us that this team could get knocked in the mouth early and figure it out um, in a hostile environment. Uh, So I don't really have those questions moving forward. I kind of knew that going back to two years ago when they played the Phoenix Suns, you know, there's a lot of dudes that are just really tough, you know, a Herb Jones, a Jose Alvarado, the list goes on and on. Najee Marshall, like they're not going to be messed with. They're not going to be punked. And, you know, I like my chances up against any team at the end of the night. Um, you know, talent-wise and just toughness-wise. And I think ultimately that was the change in the game. I think we were a little more physical, a little more tougher. Um, and then we, you know, ended up <clears throat> hitting free throws and doing all the necessary things in the end to get that victory over the Kings. Yeah, I saw a lot of the same things. I think the the big things is, um, you know, like you said, playing with that toughness. You know, I, I even heard a lot of other um you know, platforms or networks or whatever you want to say, you know, that was something that other people stated, right. That they found was, um, you know, surprising to some, if they don't follow the team as closely as others, but, uh, you know, other folks had mentioned that, you know, this is a team that does play with an edge, right. It was mentioned that they, they don't really fear anybody. And I think that's something that you can take back to even matchups in the past years where, you know, we've always said this team gets up for big games and doesn't really back down from big, um, you know, big matchups or, or high-level top-tier talent, you know, facing them on a night-in, night-out basis, that's really when they rise and um, play their best, you know, brand of basketball. So I certainly agree that, yeah, they, they did play with a, a level of an 
intensity and physicality, but it was even a little bit more of a step further, right? I mean, you can do a lot of those things by just how you play in terms of like intangibles, right? Like you always know a guy like Najee and, and her, we're going to play with an edge in terms of defending and, and getting on loose balls. And, you know, they just, they do the little things, you know, but I, I felt like I saw a little bit of like that even went to another level, right? There was like an, an extra step or like a maturation in, in the idea of how they're going to play physical, right? They like, JB coach James Borrego had mentioned before, you know, I really felt like outside of that first six minutes, once they've kind of settled down and allowed the Kings to kind of go on their run, you know, you saw them really playing with, with a level of violence, right. That he even had had called out in some of those previous games um, that we were able to, you know, take a sneak peek in the locker room. And that was something that really always stuck to me is that's something that you don't always hear from, especially in, in in basketball terms right you might hear that in other sports or or other arenas right playing with violence but that was something that i i picked up on you know you you saw shades of of guys doing things that are a little bit outside of their their normal characteristics but you know these were these were positives right you know a guy like herb who's really at this point looks like he, he really is expanding his offensive game and is rounding into being a a They'll always be a, a defensive-minded guy, right? That's where he makes his money. That's where his highest value is. But he's he's turning himself into a two-way player that needs to be respected on the offensive end. And I, I just I'm seeing a different level from him in terms of like the level of violence he's playing at, whether that's in transition or in the half court when the floor is, um, you know, off balance and he has an opportunity to drive the rim and even looking later in that game, just the way that he took that. Um, you know, ball coast to coast. And at that point in the game could have very easily, you know, dumped it off to somebody or kicked it out or even just laid it up. But I mean, he had a purpose that he was driving to that rim. He wanted to send a message, you know, when he went up there and um, played above the rim and ultimately had that tough finish. You know, he, it seemed like he wants to be felt. He wants people to realize that, you know, he's coming in there on a mission to get to the basket and nobody can stop him from getting to the basket. Um, and, you know, that was something that, you know, in a, in, a, in a different way, I also saw from B.I., right? We've always known that B.I. is has exceptional shooting splits and, and statistics when you look at, um, you know, his games, whether that being, um, you know, play-in games, his small sample size of, of that playoff series against Phoenix, this um, in-season tournament play-in games, essentially, as well as that qualifying game against the Kings. I think you ran the numbers for me, and he's, you know, averaging somewhere around 27 and a half points and, and six and a half assists and six and a half rebounds. So there's clearly an uptick in his um, performances and, and, you know, his ability to impact the game. But it also appears to me that he flips the switch almost in his mentality, right? And it's almost like that's the true version of, of Brandon and that's where he wants to play and that's the way that he wants to operate is being being physical, not allowing anybody to stop him from getting to his spots, you know, crashing the glass, um, you really using his length to deter shots and to chase down long rebounds and end possessions and, and making those tough plays. You know, I, I often wonder after seeing that, is it like he knows that he's capable of clicking into that mindset and taking his game to that place really at any time, whenever it's needed. And, and maybe he, you know, and, for his own well-being, right? Maybe with making sure he's trying to stay healthy and, and, and making sure he's available to this team. Maybe he has to 
to take it back a gear, right? Maybe he has to play in low gear throughout an 82-game schedule, which is still basketball at a high level. But I don't think it's a coincidence that you're seeing that, you know, time in and time out when he needs to elevate his game, not only from a production standpoint, but a physicality and, you know, athletic ability. It seems like he's going to another level in these big games, which is super exciting as a Pels fan because – when he does that, you know, that coupled with his incredible skill level and his basketball IQ and his feel and his ability to play make for others, it really puts him in a whole nother level, right? I mean, I think it's pretty safe to assume that, you know, a healthy Brandon during the regular season is going to be around a 24, 25 point a game guy, five rebounds, five assists, which is a very high end player, right? A player that on a successful team should be a year in, year out all star. But when he's able to take it to that next level, especially, like I said, from a physical standpoint, he really starts setting himself um, aside from some of those other guys that he's coupled up with, right? That version of Brandon looks like a top 15 player in the league in my eyes. That looks like a, a 1A, 1B kind of player on the right team, not a, not a number two or a number three that for some reason some people have argued, right? So I think the more and more we're able to allow him to play in these situations, in these environments, in these games that um, are super high stakes, right? I mean, remember, this is a guy that in, in high school, right, in a, in a tough basketball state, right, you know, coming from North Carolina, which is a state that's often um, well-regarded um, and respected in terms of high school basketball. I mean, this guy was a four-time state champion, and and regardless of how good you are or how good the people are that are playing around you, it takes a special breed of guy um, and teammates to, to stay locked in and to compete at that level against the players that they are in that state and to deliver, you know, four straight state titles. So, I mean, I think you, you, you know that that's ingrained in him and it's taken him a little bit longer than others coming into the league to ultimately be put in that position, right, based on being drafted to a, a rebuilding team in Los Angeles and dealing with some some injuries and coaching changes and then ultimately finding his way to a, uh, a young and rebuilding team in New Orleans, right? I think we're finally seeing him being put in a position, um, one, because of his growth um, and development in his game, but also, you know, having a, a running mate like a Zion and a CJ and having, you know, really, really strong surround, supporting pieces and, and cast members that fit his game, that this truly feels like the first time in in my mind, right, that maybe he looks at his group and says, you know, there's no reason I can't I can't get to this playoff, um, you know, portion of the year and, and make a strong run. And in his mind, I, I would imagine he looks up and down the league and says, you know, if I have this team and we're healthy, there's nobody that can stop me and there's nobody that can keep me from, from getting my team over the top. So I think that that's an incredibly exciting um, opportunity in front of himself and this team, especially looking forward, if they can find a way to continue to keep growing and getting into the playoffs, um, that should ultimately raise the ceiling for not only the Pelicans organization, but this fan base for what they really see um, in a guy like B.I. Um, I think that, that his game is going to be something that grows and continues to evolve at a higher level as these games get harder and harder, and, and you're really going to see the true value out of a guy like Brandon Ingram. No doubt about it, Pat. I mean, we've talked about it, you know, countless times, hours and hours, you know, dating back for years now. I mean, 
Brandon Ingram's game is the perfect, you know, in-game playoff shot maker, shot creator, all those intangibles that you love in a guy. I mean, you can't look at that game against the Kings and say, oh yeah, that was just a regular game. Like, it looked like it, it felt like it, it was, you know, ref officiated like that, the crowd was into it, and you saw what kind of got B.I. going that first first half or that first quarter is, you know, he, he made that tough, you know, mid-range pull-up and in someone's face and stuff like that. And you even heard like a Stan Van Gundy comment about that. It's like, oh, well, that's a, you know, playoff shot. And how many countless times did he say that during the night? Um, I think he's got that huge confidence in those types of moves, in those shots. And like you're saying, I'm sure in an 82-game season, He's not wanting to beat his body up, and we know he's probably capable of going and attacking the rim, but you know, there's comments of, oh, well, he's playing bully ball tonight. I mean, he truly just looked like a man who was on a mission, and you can always tell when he's aggressive rebounding-wise, too. That's a big thing with him. When you see him crashing either the offensive glass or the defensive glass, going up, getting big rebounds on people, as well as he basically in these playoff games, in-season tournament games, play-in games, so on and so forth, averages probably around eight or eight and a half free throw attempts per game, where in the regular season so far this year or in years past, he probably averages around four or five. So you just see the aggressiveness in him attacking the rim, like you said, and it's it's always a good sign, and you know, you're glad to have a guy who can make those shots and has that mentality, and I truly believe, like, you're saying he looks down the down the bench or to his other guys and says, you know, this guy cares. This guy puts in the work. You know, they're all kind of at that right age or experience in their careers where they're all kind of meshing together where it's like they're not too young, they're not old by any stretch, and they all kind of have like a little bit of experience and probably feel that the league or other people have passed them by them making that note again about not being on national TV. And so, hey, why not go out there and play your hardest and show who you are, you know, and kind of show the league like, hey, we're here. You know, not many of you might uh, see us on a night-to-night basis, but we're as good as any team um, in this league when we're healthy and we get this uh, chemistry chemistry right. Yeah, that's, that's very well said. All all really good points. I mean, you know, taking one more, you know, we won't stick on this for too long, but, you know, one other thing that I feel like is important to mention for a guy like B.I. when you look at this is not only has he been, you know, a great player for New Orleans and has given them the best opportunity to win in these games, you know, albeit, you know, no matter the situation, right, there's been situations where, He's been in this situation at the end of the year or in playoffs where we have been healthy and we haven't been healthy. Like we he's he's dealt with both sides of it, but but regardless, you know, at least in my recent history, I, I can't think of one of those games, whether it being the play-in games, um, you know, the last two years, or these tournament games, or the other night against Sacramento, or that that six game playoff series against Phoenix. I mean Every night that it feels like he's lacing it up um, in one of these big games or in one of these big series, 
I feel like not only myself, but the, the, the national consensus is, is, you know, he's been the best player on the floor in every one of those games. You know, he has taken his game to a whole nother level to the point that, you know, he was playing in a series against Phoenix with a lot of really high level players, right? Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker for spurts here and there, Mikhail Bridge. I mean, a lot of really high end, highly regarded players in this league and, pretty much everybody's consensus was Brandon Ingram was the best player on the floor tonight. And it wasn't close. Like he was heads. He was well above anybody else on the floor, right? These tournament games, he, he was an, he was incredible in all of them. Um, the game against Sacramento, you have a guy coming in to that game, essentially averaging 30 points a night, a guy that people are pushing to be in the MVP conversation. Um, and, and he pretty easily outplayed De'Aaron Fox. I mean, I don't think you could look at those two games and, you know, really put themselves in the same class in terms of on that night, right? He was, he was a, another level above De'Aaron, right? And and I think that's something that you have to keep in mind, right? Is there's a lot of guys that can put up a lot of numbers on a night in night out basis when you're going through the run of the mill schedule and not not the slight De'Aaron at all, right? De'Aaron's a fantastic player, um, super important to their program over there. At some point, there are some physical limitations that just that make it harder for guys at that time of the year to to be as impactful as they are in the regular season, right? And we've seen a lot of guys that have fallen under that umbrella, right? Where they're they're incredibly effective and efficient and impactful during the regular season, but when that when that you know switch flips to the playoffs. You suddenly see a, a a downturn in impact or efficiency, or they struggle to play at the same level. Where Brandon is the exact opposite, right? I mean, his game is tailor made for the playoffs, right? His size, his length, his versatility—everything is built to be an impactful postseason player when these games matter, right? When, when I think of a offensive player or a, a cornerstone piece of a a franchise that has aspirations to contend at the highest level and compete for championships um, over a couple year stretch, right? There's, there's three main characteristics that I look for, you know, in an offensive engine, you might say, right. A, a, a guy that's going to be the central cog of that offense. And, and, you know, those three things, Brandon really fits very well in one is the ability that he's able to not only Go on many runs by himself, right? You'll see Brandon go on quite a few six to eight oh runs by himself, right? To to maybe um, nudge his team ahead and, and give them a little bit of separating distance when it comes down to that last four or five minutes. But most importantly, his offensive game allows him to stop the bleeding um, during those inevitable runs that that other high caliber teams are going to go on, right? You have the ability to put the ball in his hands. And, and regardless of what you think in terms of um, what the best shot on the floor is or what the data uh, might say or, or what the analytics tell you, it, it's going to be a good look, which is very hard to come by at that time of the year. You're playing against the, most, the best coached, the best you know, f- versions of teams' rosters, the best collection of talent, and the teams that are going to be the most scouted and well-prepared. That leads to difficulty in the half court, generating clean looks. A lot of shots are heavily, heavily contested, right? And so having the ability for him to pretty much at any given moment 
generate a good look for your offense, all, whether he makes it or if he just gets a good look and gets it up on the rim and allows for other guys to play off the offensive glass and generate um, additional points. I mean, that in itself is a skill set. Um, two, what you're really learning from him is, is he's kind of tapping into the point where he knows he can get anywhere on the floor and he can get that shot anywhere. And now he's using that to his advantage to almost bait those defenses um, into sending that second guy. You know, you saw it there late in the late in the game, which really was the nail in the coffin. Um, you know, point of that game was uh, he took he drove baseline essentially, and he could have settled for a 15 foot fadeaway and gotten a, a legitimate look up. But I, I have a strong feeling he knew he could draw that secondary defender. Right? He he almost slowed down and waited for that guy to step over to essentially drop it off um, to Herb just inside of the free throw line, which drew another defender and got Trey Murphy a wide open look. Um, you could almost see it playing out in front of him in slow motion that he was able to do that. So having the ability to, when you do have it going, that you can pick and choose your spots and when you can draw double teams and, and play into them and almost bait defenses to do it to get certain guys look um, is a massive, massive skill. So um, to me, he... Regardless if you want to argue that he's the most important player, the best player, has the high, like, you're, you're talking about two incredibly high-level players, right? At that point, you're, 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 the margins are so thin that it's really just personal preference between himself and Zion, um, you know, expecting that Zion's going to round back into his true form as he plays in more of these situations. Um, so you can't go wrong with either one of them, but you certainly have to have a lot of respect for Brandon and um, the impact that he has um, in those winning situations and in those big games, right? He, he seems to have all of the characteristics and ability and um, versatility, more important, that can um, certainly lead an offense um, deep into a playoff run. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there's so many things you could say about B.I. and what he's meant for this team and for this organization, you know, year after year. And, you know, you hit the points on, like, in these – you know, need it games. I mean, you can go back to, you know, last year or the year before, even that last 10 to 15 games in the regular season, when you need those wins to even get to the point of an in-season tournament, uh, you know, chance, you know, he always performs and always gets on that next level. Uh, so that's always been a delight to see and uh, was really great to see in this opportunity as well. Um, just want to kind of, go back to say Willie Green's performance in this quarterfinals win. Um, what, what are your thoughts on what, what he particularly did in this game? And uh, did you see anything that you liked? Yeah, I think it was a, certainly a tale of not even two halves, but it was almost two performances. I think, I think Willie was, um, you know, probably early on in that game, he could feel the importance and the gravity and, and the emotion in the building. And, you know, that maybe would have led him to make some decisions that, um, at least myself, right, I had voiced some some questions on regarding the rotation, right? We had questioned if if the rotation would be slimmed down or be changed or tweaked. And, um, you know, we saw him go to a, a group of guys that, at least on paper and in terms of skill set and fit, um, wouldn't probably be your first pick off the bench, right? And I think that's where some of the the question marks came, myself included. 
Um, when looking at a guy like Najee or Najee and Jose um, coming off the bench, essentially. Um, so for that, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold it to him too much. I understood the the thinking that he wanted to go with, you know, two known commodities that have been in bigger games. He knew they were gonna play with a high amount of energy um, and emotion and and physicality and. And, and maybe that rotation or the question of what he wanted to do shifted throughout that first quarter, right? Maybe he had intentions of going with another group if, if they got off to a hot start. But knowing that Sacramento came out shooting the ball the way they did, that, that maybe he reverted to going with, with those two guys that offered a little bit more physicality. And, um, you know, just they, they're, they're very blue-collar, um, hard-nosed players, right? They generate energy for that team. That's kind of what their role is. So, um for that one, I'll, I'll give him a pass just because I can't confidently answer what the reasoning was. Um, outside of that, I thought all things together, he did a he did a pretty good job, you know, considering the situation. He hasn't been in a ton of them with this group of guys before. I think there's certainly room for improvement and maybe shortening up the rotations a little bit. But um, all things together, I think he did a, he did a strong job. You know, he he was strong in terms of sticking to guys that had it had it rolling at the at the moment. He didn't only stick to his rotation um, and his allotted amount of minutes that guys typically come in and out of the games. You saw um, he stuck with groups that really were playing cohesively and, and were giving the Kings struggle, um, even to the point where, right, he he sat Zion, who, who didn't have it going for a lot of the night and um, was working his way um, through the situation. You know, right, I commend Willie. He, he had the... You know, the cojones, as one would say, to, you know, make a tough call and sit one of his premier players um, and and to play the group that he thought was playing at the best of the moment. And I commend Zion, too, right? Um, not an easy situation knowing you're on national TV. You have all eyes on you to be sitting there for an extended amount of time, not getting your typical amount of minutes or, or, or things of that nature, right? He handled it very well and was mature about it. And I think he, he understood that sometimes that's just – how it's going to go and, and guys are going to have it going and, and you just got to allow them to kind of work through that and continue playing at that level. And I think both guys did a good job. Um, you know, with that being said, there obviously is room for improvement from Willie's standpoint. And I think this is another good opportunity, you know, not just for the players, right. To gain this experience in, in meaningful games. It's, it's a great opportunity for Willie uh, to do that and, and to see the guys that he can really trust and lean on. Um, and he's going to have another opportunity against another really good team. Um, that's led by two very high-level players that are going to put stress um, on on our our roster and rotations. Um, that that he's going to have to make some make some changes, right? He's going to really have to uh, make adjustments through this game. Keep keep LeBron on his heels, right? You can't show LeBron the same coverage uh, possession after possession without thinking that eventually he's going to figure it out and start um, picking you apart. So he's going to have to be really good, especially on the defensive end, to keep switching things up and, and keeping things fresh from a defensive uh, scheme perspective. And I, I think it's a, a big test for him and hopefully one that he takes takes on and, and ultimately can come out on top and, and show us that he also is continuing to grow in these big moments. <laughs>